Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hey everyone, this is Guile, and I am joined today by Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. And Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, uh, Lady of Tarth. I, I don't even share that one anymore. Just Lot. I'm, I'm Lot. <laughs> She's a Lot. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> we Today we're covering Theon's second chapter from A Clash of Kings, and we'll give our standard trigger warnings for rape and violence and, you know, incest um for this chapter especially so uh we, we rejoined theon as he is taking a look at his brand new beautiful ship and you know within about two paragraphs he is distracted from his ship by a woman and she's this lean long leg woman with black short black short hair um has a dirk on her belt walks like she's um more uh more comfortable at sea and um, you know moves like she yeah moves like she's used to have it used to having a deck beneath her feet so Theon's like immediately super attracted to her <laughs> and they have like this fun little banter where he starts hitting on her and Theon you know has a little bit of game you know he's you know He's like, I like women like you. And she's like, well, how do you know what I'm like? And he's like, my eyes can see your face. My ears can hear your laughter, which I'm like, yeah, good, Theon. Then he ruins it with, my cock's gone hard as a mask for you. <laughs> <laughs> he took it. Well, you know, he just was a little bit overly direct. To be fair, she reciprocated, like, immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> by oh, yeah, yeah was- going in to the zone <laughs> he squeezes him when he says that and you know um ascertains that he's telling the truth and um you know she's like oh it's too bad i'm newly married and pregnant and he's like sweet i can't get a bastard on you um, <laughs> i mean i i guess being logical I, I don't, he's not he's not wrong <laughs> silver lining i don't <laughs> I mean, the flirting, the flirting, I don't even know if you can call it flirting. I guess it is kind of like, it was entertaining. Like it's, it was like some of the lines in the, in it was, um, was that one bless her with the milk of my loins talking about yes. christening the <laughs> ship. I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then talking about his sweet tasting honeyed tongue. And I'm like, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> it was funny because, you know, they definitely, like, they're written to have a little bit of chemistry. And I think of, um, you know, rereading Cer- uh, Cersei and Tyrion, who on page, when they're in a scene together, like, have this crackling chemistry mm-hmm. together. Um, you know, obviously not flirtatious, really. But then, you know, Jamie and Cersei have so little, mm. you know, like, so little chemistry in comparison. So it's just funny to read, like, these characters who are just bouncing back and forth yeah, off of each other and, and who, frankly, doesn't. Yeah, these personalities and, that were like, yeah, on, like you're saying, bouncing back and forth. It's just like, I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know any, like, I just, I can't imagine doing, like, speaking to somebody like this. I don't have this chemistry with people. Maybe that's a good thing, but like, I feel right. like, like well, who, who you know, flirts think, like this? 
he's full of himself and the you know he's very full of himself you know he's well i'm the you know like yeah you're you know clearly you know you seem to be happily married but you know i'm a prince and when you're you know old you'll be able to tell your grandchildren that you you know had sex with a prince like okay yeah he's <laughs> Which, living it up. i mean again that probably works in real life yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen, like, Prince Charles had girlfriends when he was younger, so clearly this works. Right. Well, yeah, of course. Of course it would work. You know, he thinks, like, looking at the power dynamic of everything, he's thinking, yeah, this one's in the bag. And it's like Theon's it's uncorked. Kind of- he's, at, he's in his mind, he's stepping into his true self and his true position. And, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it makes, you know, what ultimately happens so enjoyable when, you know, the reveal <laughs> happens. But, yeah. So the woman claims that her name is as Ez- Esgred. Is that how we're going to say we pronounce sure. it? Um, <laughs> sure. And I think that, she's the wife of um, she's the wife of Sigrun, who is the master shipbuilder who built this ship. And um, you know, she, you know, Theon's like, "Well, is it fast?" And you know, she's like, "Well, it is for someone who knows how to handle it." And Theon kind of is a little. Um, little bristles at that, but, you know, under, you know, kind of thinks to himself, like, I've never even captained a ship. Um, and, you know, they come about, like, he's like, oh, I'll never treat a fair maiden poorly, you know, talking about the ship, and, you know, the Asgard's like, well, she's a, you know, not a fair maiden, she's a sea bitch, and Theon's like, well, now you've named her, so this is how the ship got its name, um, kind of named both out, you know, named after after Asgard, and you know, he really, he's super attracted to her. She's super witty and fun. And, um, this, he decides that instead of like getting her to come on the ship and christen it, he wants to take her back to Pike and like, you know, do her properly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And the mis- can I just say did. though, like, I really love the way that in this, ch- uh, this part of the chapter where George is like really laying on the misogyny of like how Theon thinks too. Like he's like, you know, he's kind of like flattering her and, um, seeking her opinion on things. He's like, let her believe I want her wisdom. Women, right. women fancy that. It's just so, makes it so much sweeter. <laughs> but it is kind of funny that he's, you know, Given that he's ironborn, he's not trying to take her with the, you know, with by the iron price. Like he's actually trying to seduce her and persuade her. Yeah, yeah. It's true. So I don't know if that is like the, you know, a half a point. I mean, I guess for there's Theon. romance everywhere. <laughs> what was that? He gets a half point. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess like um, he's not super admirable here, but he's also, um, you know, he is. He's flirting, right? Like, you can't really hate him that much for flirting with someone, ex- except in this very specific situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they decide they're going to go back to Pike, and they have to go back to the inn to fetch Theon's horse, um, so he and his, squi- his squire can have his pony, and then Esgred and Theon are going to um, double up on the horse. And, you know, they they continue the spicy talk where 
as grads, like, oh, I like to be on top. And, you know, Dion's like, where has she been all my life? <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a part, too, though, like, when they're, like, making this um, initial walk back to the inn or whatever. And um, it's so juicy or it's so much fun to reread it and knowing who she is because you get those little hints by the people's reaction. Oh, look at they they have bows. These people are finally learning who I am. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. You know, and it's obvious because they're bowing for Asha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and she, she's first, just so um, great. Well, and this is, you know, something I, I wanted to talk about is, so we have this, like, fantastic, and maybe we can, let's table it, actually, and and move it on a little bit. Okay. Um, We meet, we actually meet Carl the maid. Um, You know, Asha greets them, and she actually should suggests to Theon that these guys, including Carl, should be on his crew. Which, knowing how she feels about Carl, not necessarily in, like, a romantic sense, but just, like, you know, he's one of her guys. She thinks he's, like, good. Like, this is actually, like, a genuine suggestion from her. Like, oh, these guys, you know, these are good guys, basically. And I think we kind of have to take her at face value there. Like, she's not, you know, she's not, like, actively trying to sabotage Theon at this point. Like, she's, like, she's sprinkling in some truths, I think in this whole, you know, while withholding the huge truth from him. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, no, she's masterfully, like, just trying to suss out who he is as a person, a character, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's disgusting the lengths she goes to to do that, but, I mean, yeah. you got to admire thinking... in a way like, that she's <laughs> this strategic. <laughs> I yeah, was thinking guys... of, like, the haunted houses where you stick your hand in something gross, and it's like nothing could be grosser than what Ash than where Ash is putting her hands. Like, nope, <laughs> no, no, no. And I'd forgotten exactly how much, like, how far she had gone. I'd kind of forgotten that till I started reading. I was like, oh, she's like into it a good bit, um, and it just makes it. It's just so weird. She commits. She does. She commits. Yeah, no half measures with Asha. No way. And then we get, like, probably, I mean, as cringy as all of this is, like, when they go by um, Theon's old ship and the captain's daughter yells, you know, calls for him, like, that's almost cringy. You're like, oh, honey, just, oh, um, you know, she's just, like, a very pathetic character. And you're like, oh, you just feel so bad for her, for, like, her life, you know? Um, So we meet, Theon meets up with his, um, his, uh, dumb, deaf, and I don't, not, actually, is Wex, Wex isn't deaf, I don't think, um, but he can't speak, his, his squire, yeah. and I just, like, I didn't remember this, but Wex is actually a Botley, which I thought was interesting, so he would be um, one of Christopher Botley's bastard cousins, essentially, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just interesting thinking that we don't know if Wex came with the Manderleys to Winterfell, but we do know that Tris Botley is headed to, you know, headed in that direction, too. And, you know, it might be interesting if these cousins are meeting up in the book that will never be written. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, it ma- if it'll matter that Wax is a Botley, but um, it was something I, I you know, never realized before. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I never would have picked that up. <laughs> so they, they start riding back to Pike and... Um, you know, Asha starts asking, Esgred slash Asha starts asking, asking him some questions, you know, kind of getting a feel for how Theon's feeling about his fathers and uncles. And, um, you know, I don't know that she necessarily, you know, 
Theon's like, oh, I'm, you know, my sister's, you know, she wears chain mail underwear, basically, or, you know, leather small clothes, and I'll marry her off after I win the war. And, you know, she's like, well, you can marry, you know, your sister, but what about your uncles as a threat? And we get Theon kind of talking about how Victorian is dumb, but like, you know, kind of the loyal foot sailor type person. And, you know, that Euron is more of a threat probably and more or more cunning, but no one's seen him for years. He might be dead. And they, you know, this part of it from what we, it's hard to read this on a reread, but it's like, well, you know, Theon's assessment here is like not too far off um, of his own, you know, of his uncles here. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Asha has any huge, um, huge disagreement. You know, there's this like, you know, he's this one where he says, oh, Lord Balin is but the father of a great man. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> um, I don't even know. The, yeah. he, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, they talk about what Asha's going to wear. And, you know, Theon suggests that they'll pro- there's probably some of his mother's clothes that she can wear. And, um, you know, there's this part where Asha's like, you know, you you could. It's only a day's sail away. You could go to see her, um, and you know, Theon's like, I'm too busy here. My father relies on me now that I am returned. Come peace, perhaps. And Asha says, Your coming might bring her peace. And you know, Theon kind of blows it off. And just knowing who she is and knowing you know what she's asking and how he reacts is really it's kind of heartbreaking for all of them at that you know that moment. Um, just. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. It just shows, like, I mean, emotionally, how disconnected he really is. You know, he's so disconnected from this place, that he, his home. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. And you know, Asha kind of cools things down a little bit and gets him to tell her about uh, the war so far. So, you know, he talks about Rob and and the battles and whatnot, and you know, he thinks, oh, she's like super easy to talk to. And, you know, I, you know, I'd like to keep her basically. Um, so then they, they get to Pike and right away all of the dogs come running to her. And one of the stablemen addresses her as, as Asha, you know, Lady Asha. And, um, you know, she laughs and, and tells Theon that she sailed in the night before. And, you know, Theon is just like horrified and, you know, it's like, why didn't you tell me? And she says, I wanted to see who you were first. And I did. And, you know, just. It's so sweet. Like, to, you know, <laughs> to Theon's credit a little bit, he knows who, he, you know, he knows who he was being. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, it's so well written, so well crafted leading up to this moment, though. Like, I I mean, the, the chapter's gross. There's a lot of grossness in it, but <laughs> it's uh, well, well done, George. So Theon dresses for the feast and, you know, he wears like more modest, um, more modest clothing. You know, it says to, he, he thinks to fit his mood, but really it's like, okay, Theon learned a tiny lesson through his first experiences there. And so he is, you know, trying, you know, he's trying a little bit and, you know, he going up to sit at the right hand of his father, which he assumes is his place. And, you know, Ash is sitting there. And, um, you know, she's like, you know, he's, he tells her, you're in my place. And she says, your place is in Winterfell. And, you know, burn. <laughs> um, and they, you know, he's like, 
eating this horrible food and he's thinking, oh, if I puke, I'm going to puke on her. <laughs> he's just so pissed at her. I mean, I don't think the food's horrible. It's just like if you don't like seafood, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's all fish stew and bread, right? Like, my sounds, I, I like seafood, so I think I'd be down for the food of pike. But, yeah, my sympathies to those that just don't want to eat seafood. <laughs> You're going to starve. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then we get this moment of, um, you know, we get kind of Asha's, like, signature moment. And it's this, um, you know, passage where Theon says, you know, every word you spoke to me was a lie. Not every word. Remember when I told you I like to be on top? Asha grinned. That only made him angrier. <laughs> All that about being a woman wed and being a child. Oh, that part was true enough. Asha leapt to her feet. Rolf here, she shouted down at one of the finger dancers, holding up a hand. He saw her, spun, and suddenly an axe came flying from his hand, the blade gleaming as it tumbled end over end through the torchlight. Theon had time for a choked gasp before Asha snatched the axe from the air and slammed it down into the table, splitting his trencher in two and splattering his mantle with drippings. There's my lord husband. His sister reached down inside her gown and drew a dirk from between her breasts. And here's my sweet suckling babe. I mean, that's pretty fucking <laughs> badass. Like, that's just badass in all caps. Love that moment. <laughs> so... What I what I kind of wanted to bring up a little bit. So this is our in you know this is our intro to Asha. Like she's this quick witted badass, like axe catching, you know, dirk carrying, body witty, cool, foolish shit woman. So two chapters earlier in this book, we meet Brienne, and it's just to me so interesting that those two introductions are so close to each other in the book. And, you know, we're viewing them through someone else's eyes in each case and are so different to me. You know, mm. Brienne's victory, you know, Brienne, you know, Brienne wins that melee and it's like people are pissed and she's pathetic. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not like this, like you can picture like this happens on the Ironborn or like raising their glasses to her. Like, yeah, I mean, and actually they do. You know, that's how Asha's treated. And, you know, with Brienne, I mean, I think people booed when she beat Loras. Um, and it's just, you know, she's treated completely differently. And to me, it was so interesting that mm -hmm. these were so close. Like, these two characters were introduced so closely in the book with seemingly some similarities, but completely different reactions to them. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. It's kind of like um, getting to show... I, I mean, we, we, with Brienne's situation, she's really, the sensibilities there is that she's uh, coming up in, outside of what her role is supposed to be, right? Whereas with Asha, she's grown up in this place and she is, uh, you know, of the family that's supposed to be ruling these people. So maybe there's just a little more, hmm. Little more, uh, they got used to her, <laughs> and they and they grew to love know, her, and, and she's you know, older. Yeah, we think that she like Theon. You know, we think she's probably like around twenty four, twenty five. So she's you know significantly older than Brienne. She's obviously like extraordinarily comfortable in her skin. Yeah, um, yeah. it was just interesting to me that you know they he introduces these quote unquote badass women, but they're so you know so completely different. Um, 
one even thing with, that I was thinking. Oh, I'd just say even just to add on to that, you know, you think about like Arya and like how like her cuz she's, you know, similar to, you know, where she's wanting to um, be a fighter um and thinking about who's allowed to like even step outside of their normative roles to pursue these things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it also goes to show just what the Iron Islands, um, what they value, um, because I think uh, Brienne and Arya could, could be appreciated much more in the Iron Islands, um, given the roles that they've chosen for themselves outside of the roles that are um, people would have liked for them to have chosen. I guess they're the more traditional roles for women, um, but it, it, just to show that the Iron Islands, like this, is what they love, and this is. Like, this is great there to be a woman who's like this. such a good point. Oh, my God. Am I a fan of the Iron Isles now? (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) But I do like this aspect. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we don't know a lot of women from the Iron Islands. Like, we know, obviously, Theon's mom, who's, you know, kind of emotionally broken. And then we have the woman that was part of Asha's crew in um, that fights with her. That's, you know, I think she like fights naked, basically, like she's like some, you know, super fighting machine. But otherwise, we don't really. And, you know, we have the, unfor- you know, um, you know, we hear about Victorian's wife, you know, like we hear so unfortunate, but we don't really know anyone. I mean, you can kind of, you know, thinking of like the Mormons and mm-hmm. how they kind of grew up, grew up the way they did opposing the Iron Islands. But you kind of think they're not that culturally different than the Iron Islanders, really. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like Daisy, you know, Daisy's not as showy as Asha, but I mean, I think she has some of the same. Like, they're both like women who, like, the Mormont girls and Asha are like women who are kind of, they have a place in the man's world and they're comfortable in that place, whereas obviously Brienne is like uncomfortable right. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, like, we'll just say it. I mean, we've said it before, but Brienne is ugly, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's. Right. I mean, that's probably all we have to say. Yep. You know, but Asha kind of, she chides Theon a little bit. You know, she's like, if you knew anything about Sigrun, you'd know, you know, you'd know I wasn't his wife. If you knew any, you know, if you had bothered to learn anything about um, the people here, you know, people would be cheering for you. Like, you don't have a place here because you haven't tried to find one or you haven't, like, put an effort in basically and it's very much like this chapter with Theon very much reminded me of some of John's early chapters at the wall where John Mm -hmm. is trying to you know John's looking for a place that he hasn't earned yet and he has people at the at the wall who are willing to you know put him in his place and teach him and Asha's trying to you know he is I mean it's a little bit different because he's actively trying to take her place I think but also, like, she is giving him good advice. She is kind of trying to play that role for him that other people, have, you know, other people at the wall played for John. But Theon's not in a position that he can listen to it. Like, they just don't even have that, like, they don't have that much time together. And, you know, they started, she started off the, started off the relationship with, like, deception. Yeah. And so I don't think he's ever going to be able to honestly listen to her. But everything that she's saying for him, saying to him is something that you know people said to john and you know john was just as um just as greedy i guess as theon is um 
it's interesting. We're so, ne- you know, we're so conditioned to be negative towards Theon when his this chapter reads very much like, you know, spoiled John at the yeah. wall. To me. The entitlement is there for both. Yeah. Yes. And he and Theon even registers it when they talk about Euron and how he's been gone for, what is it, two years? Um, and Theon, and I think, I think Asha does say about what, or Theon thinks about himself being gone for 10 years. Um, but then that's kind of all the thought he has about it. Um, as far as the people not knowing him and those kind of things. Um, so he does register, like I said, he just doesn't have, he won't have the time to really take what Asha is saying and really do much with it. Which, you know, is another of his, you know, great tragedies. So, you know, so they have this dinner and then Balin, Balin ends the feast and says, you know, basically follow me to my salar and I'm going to like fill you in on my plans. He refers to his sons, plural, which I thought was interesting that he would literally refer to Asha as like his son. Hmm. Um, you know, very much like a, like very much reminds me of Brienne referring to her, you know, almost referring to herself that way too. Mm-hmm. Which is again, you know, like, I, you know, when, once we know Asha a little bit more, it's like she's not someone who denies, like she's not trying to be a man. Um, and you know, really neither is, really neither is Brienne. It's just like women have so little value that they have, you know, like they almost have to be. Yeah. So, um, so we get to Balin's plans and basically he's giving Theon, um, Dom, I'm going to call him Dom Fear, the French, the French uncle <laughs> and, um, Dagmar Clefjaw. And they're going to, um, go along the stony shore and just kind of ravage along the shore. Whereas Asha's going to take Deepwood Mott and Theon realizes pretty quickly that with the Glovers all gone, she's going to be able to do it. And he's kind of pissed. And she's like, I've always wanted a castle. <laughs> she's delighted. <laughs> Whereas Victorian gets the main, um, the main attack at Mount Callan. And, you know, Theon is like, I can't, you know, I'm getting eight ships and I'm going to, you know, he's super pissed that his role here is so minimum or minimal. And I think, again, he doesn't, you know, for all of Balon's many, um, many shitty things about him, he's, you know, Theon doesn't see what he's really doing, which is he's giving Theon really experienced people. He's like putting Theon in a position where he's going to succeed and potentially learn, you know. Yeah. And instead of understanding that, Theon takes it as an insult. Um, and he is, you know, it obviously is going to lead to, you know, lead to his absolute downfall. And, um, you know, he, he leaves and, you know, of course it's like windy. He's throwing up or, you know, and stumbling and Asha is the one that helps him out. And he, that just pisses him off even more. And the chapter ends with this really good, um, you know, Theon leaned on her shoulder and let her guide him across the rain slick boards. I liked you better when you were Esgret, he told her accusingly. She laughed. That's fair. I liked you better when you were nine. (laughs) 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 Quick-witted. Which was a great way to end the chapter. I just, it's such a, like, I think we, when we think about this chapter, you get caught up in the grossness of, you know, the brother and sister groping each other. (laughs) And you kind of forget, like, what a absolute like fantastic introduction we got to asha when mm-hmm. you read it again you're like oh because reading it again you you remember you know asha's chapters in feast and winds which are awesome and they're like oh my god i love this this person and i was thinking like you know 
George takes Theon off the canvas for Storm of Swords. And I kind of feel like it was a horrible mistake to take Asha off the canvas. Like, why didn't, you know, wouldn't, I mean, obviously there's a ton of story in, in A Storm of Swords, but it makes me wish that he would have added her as a POV there. And we could have kept up with her story so that when we entered Feast, it wasn't like picking up this whole new thing, you know, this whole new thing. She's such a dynamic presence that, you know, it's like you miss her already. Although I do wonder if her and Jamie in the same book could work because they're literally the same person in some ways. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is like when you get to Feast and you pick back up with Asha, it's like, oh, that's right. There was this character and there was, like you said, like this great introduction and then nothing for the entire book. And then you kind of have to get back into it. And what I can't remember at the moment, but are the other Ironborn in Storm at all? I think we just allude to them. Okay, yeah, I didn't think there were any POVs. And so it also just kind of takes away from the Ironborn as a whole. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which you need to keep people invested in because... (laughs) Because I could give a fuck. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it took a lot for me to um, care about any of the great choice or their world or any of it. And it's too bad because, like, I agree with you on all those points. Gylas was a lot of fun to read. And she's just, I mean, she does, this chapter almost feels like George felt bad about having to wait to the end of the book to write the Jamie Cat chapter. And so had to write, like, you know, female Jamie for a chapter to, like, get it out of himself. Because she's so, she's so sharp and witty and showy. Like, you know, no, she's not wearing gold armor like Jamie, but I mean... You know, she's flapping axes in the air. She's, like, doing all this shit. Like, she's pretty, you know, she's just as flamboyant as Theon tries not to be um, (laughs) in this chapter. And she's kind of unforgettable, so it makes you sad that, as a reader, you literally forget about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Do we have any other questions or comments on this chapter? Uh, Well, the mill. I'm sorry, what was so, that? I said, yes, well, we have the mill for this chapter. Okay, yeah. Oh, right. said the mill. I'm like, did I miss one? <laughs> you missed a page. <laughs> yeah, you, the mill was like the best part. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So from Wired, Wired on Reddit, um, why, oh, why do you think GRM chose to have this awkward moment where Theon hits on Asha? Do you think it's for a simple motive, showing how much Theon is cut from his is from his family, or do you think this play with incest has another use in the narrative? And also on the same subject, um, Cardinal Girl seventy five on Discord. Come on, George. Surely there were plenty of other ways for Asha to figure out what kind of man Theon was than letting him fill her up. Surely word has carried to her by now about the type of person Theon is one and one conversation with him without the sexual endo innuendo would have sufficed. Mm, I don't know. I think it, I think it had to be done um, because I, I think it, the whole uh, chapter really illustrates not only like Asha's character for us, but also Theon's character. And like, 
Yeah, she probably heard rumors about what he was like, but she needed to know specifics. Like, how deep does this go? Like, you know, the part about he obviously doesn't care about visiting his mother. He doesn't care about giving his mother's clothes away to some girl that he just met. Um, (laughs) There's quite a few things that I don't think she could have gotten unless she had done this. Yeah, and I'm sure, of course, there were other ways to do it. I'm not sure if there were any better ways to do it. Quick, quick. She doesn't have a lot of time, right? I feel like it's a little like he's writing it to be a little shocking, but you know, in a he's writing it. To, he didn't need. I mean, there's plenty of other shocking things in in these books, and it's just kind of it's really like I'm sorry, there is no force on earth that would make me do whatever information I ever wanted to know. I would never do what she does. Like I can't think of. I don't. Yeah, that's like totally unbelievable. Like I would never like, oh god. <laughs> Just for the record, neither would I. Just I feel like I have to say that now. I was kinda waiting for to hear that. Jeez. Just but yeah, like I it's I don't he like we've established he doesn't have siblings, right? Mm, I guess so. Yes, I think so. Like, I just, again, like, it's totally unrealistic. There's no force on Earth that would make, you know, yes, I'm aware that incest exists, but if someone is not going to commit incest, they're also not going to do what she is doing. Like, I can't even talk about it. So awful. Well, maybe that Um, was plan B for her. Maybe she was seeing if she could get along with them and consolidate their power. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you know, it's funny because, I mean, that I don't think that that is an entirely unrealistic thought in her head. Yeah, because it could have been a rival, right? Like she wanted to see, is this a true rival? And maybe I'll make him like me and hope he's into sisters. (laughs) It's a long shot. If she felt like their uncles were a threat, she absolutely would join forces with, you know, she would have joined forces with Theon if that were an option. I mean, she's thinking about it now and wins even when he's. You know, like she, the, is it the reader that tells her about the king's moot where someone didn't show up? And, you know, like that seed has already been planted that she is aligned with Theon, even, you know, even through dance. Um, you know, even, even then, like that thought is that he's her, he's her ally against her uncles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a shame that. You know, I mean, you know, we can rag on Theon being a dick, but I mean, she did kind of choose, she chose to do something to him that's almost entirely impossible for him to, like, come back to her on. No, I mean, she totally initiated it, and like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, she went scorched earth on him for, you know, seemingly no, you know, no reason, so. Oh, Asha. Um, okay. Um, Buck O'Hare on Discord asks, did you feel sorry for Theon uh, being humiliated like this, or did he bring it on himself? I feel bad for him. Oh, I don't feel sorry for him at all. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel sorry for him, but I also don't feel like he particularly brought it on himself. No, I don't think he brought it on himself. No, no, did not bring it on himself. And I do feel bad for him because that's really gross, like, to have someone do that to you, and then you find out they're your relative. That's just what. 
I feel like his callousness towards his mom really bothered me more than anything else he did in this chapter. So I felt like he deserved a little bit of um, humiliation for that. And once the, um, oh, I can't call her name from uh, the previous chapter. Once she waves to him, like later in this chapter, it reminds you, oh, yeah, that whole thing happened, too, where he was a piece of shit. So Yeah, kind of just like trying to oh gosh well, not this trying to like just push he, her along ignore that you know just what do you call her like a and weak when he woman realizes or something that, when he realizes that wex knew the whole time but obviously couldn't tell him because he can't talk you know he <laughs> gives wex the clout in the ear you know the, the good old clout in the ear so i mean he's kind of it's so to him and he couldn't do anything i mean that is just like icing on the cake <laughs> george would put that in there to like the companion can't literally cannot tell him what's happening <laughs> but yeah and then poor guy does get boxed for it i mean that's the the fate of the squires is the old clout in the air mm-hmm. <laughs> um ancient octagon on reddit um asks do you think uh asha will end up ruling the ironborn at the end of the series i mean i hope so yeah me too. I mean, I don't have any, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have much of a thought on it, but I I also hope so. So. Samesies. Do we have any other questions or comments on the chapter? Yes, sorry, I was muted. Um, <laughs> another from Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord. Why on earth would anyone have allowed Balon to keep any sort of navy after his rebellion? I could see Robert being generous, but why didn't his advisors step in and destroy the Iron Fleet, especially since they destroyed the Lannister fleet? I don't see Tywin being too thrilled with Balon's only real consequence being the loss of his only living son, um, who he's pretty much given up for dead anyway. Hmm. I mean, it's an excellent question. That's a very good question. (laughs) I mean, if they really, I guess you could argue that at that time there were Targaryen, you know, there were known Targaryens and Essos that might at some point have the ability to raise, you know, to raise an army or a navy and that they would want the Iron Fleet to defend against it. You know, like there's no reason for the Greyjoys to or to think the Greyjoys would align with the Targaryens, I don't think. Um, so maybe, you know, especially if they held Theon captive, so maybe it was like a hedge against the Targaryens. I think that's a very or, you know, uh, Robert, generous Robert reasoning, Guile. I think that's a really yeah. generous <laughs> reasoning on your part. <laughs> it's, you know, probably Robert, you know, meant to do, meant to do a check on something, but, you know, then got drunk. Yeah, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what happened. <laughs> um, one more from Cardinal Girl seventy five. Um, if Balin had, if Balin always had an invasion of Winterfell in mind, what do you think his plans were for Theon if he hadn't returned to the Iron Islands? Do you think he would have killed his own son if they had met on a battlefield? Yes, I do. Oh, I don't know. I mean, kinslaying is you know, that's a big one. Hmm. I mean, I, did Balon did Balon's like ambitions really go as far as Winterfell? I mean, it seems like he wants to like grab some land, but doesn't. You know, he's not. 
he wants to grab some, take advantage and grab some land from the north, but he's not trying to conquer the whole, he's not trying to conquer the whole north, I feel like. Yeah, I think he's just seizing some opportunity while it's there. And I don't know, as to the question of whether he came across, you know, Theon in battle, I mean, I, I feel like he would have been, I don't think he would have targeted Theon and wanted to kill Theon, but I think, like, it would have been collateral damage. I think if he dies, he dies. Yeah. More so yeah. than yeah. Um and the last thing from Wired Why Red on Reddit um also said I just listened to the episode about the outline, which was glorious. So thank you for that. <laughs> I listened and, to that too. It was, it was pretty glorious, so <laughs> and that is all the mail. All right. Well you can send us mail at close the door at gmail dot com on the Jamie Brand subreddit, or um, you can send us tweets. How else can you send us mail a lot? I feel like I have no idea anymore. Um, <laughs> um, at Door Podcast, uh, close the door and come here. Oh, my God, it's been a while for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find a way <laughs> by Crow. Um, and you can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast, so Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, etc., um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. We are, I believe, Patreon slash close the door. Or yeah, podcast. sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Find us on, on Patreon um, to help support us. Other than that, you guys, any closing comments on our intro to Asha? No, it's just uh, she's great. I enjoyed it. It was uh, <laughs> more than I thought I would enjoy reading a Greyjoy chapter of any kind. I mean, Ash is kind of the outlier anyway, but yeah, it's good to be back. Good to. She just like crackles off the page. Yeah. Um, with that, you guys, I am closing the door. Get out.